It's a joy to be home today. Some great things have been happening in ministry. But Dorothy said it so well when she clicked her heels together. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Thank you for allowing us. We did go to Waco, Texas. It was an incredible uh, move of God. Some other doors opened for Pastor Rhonda and I. And uh, there was a pastor that came out from Dallas on a Sunday night. The pastor called him and said, you got to come here, these guys. And what was so cool, Sunday night, Pastor Rhonda, Rhonda ministered, get out of my seat. Then she began to pray individually for people. And guess what I did? You'd be so proud. I took the microphone and I sang. Yes, it was, it was so cool. I sang so bad that everybody ran to the altar. Everybody. The whole, the whole church is up there. And I was encouraging them and I was exhort, exhorting them. And I was, there was a full-blown praise and worship team behind me. Phenomenal. Uh, two on the platform were recording artists. And it was so fun. It was so cool. And after the service, the pastor said, you've got to come to our church. He's uh, uh, he's a white. He's as white as you can possibly. He's on the suntan. I mean, he's as white as you can possibly get. And he pastors over eighteen hundred black folk. I said, "That's my kind of church. That's my kind of place." So we'll be headed that way in October. And then last week with Pastor Lemuel Miller in China Hill, what a great service Sunday morning, Sunday night. Met the lady that I don't know if you remember me sharing several months ago, who died in the lobby of the church, and the paramedics pronounced her dead. And Pastor Lim and his daughter, his uh, little little 20-year-old daughter, laid hands on her, and she began to gasp. And actually, the paramedic tried to keep them away, but they refused to stay away. She got, well, I met her Sunday. I mean, she's alive. She is alive. A it was so cool what God is doing. And um, have the privilege of spending about five hours with Pastor Billy Burke. And we begin to talk about ministry, and we can talk about the pulpit and uh, we, we, we really want to say what God's wanting us to say right now. We don't want it to be about doctrine or denomination or this or that. We want, to, we want to prepare you because as the Lord has promised his return, he's promised some other things. And it's a great outpouring, a great operation in signs and wonders. And Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about signs and wonders. But he sends his love. He will be here at the latest conference, with the church conference now uh, Saturday morning and Sunday morning, looking forward to uh, having him as a part. It was a joy. I met Ron and Dorcas. Was it Ron? Ron? And Dorcas, what a beautiful name from the Bible. And I met Andres' niece and friend. That's how she introduced him to me. That's how I remember them, her niece and friend. What a joy to have you this morning. And it's also a joy to have Madison. Thank you for coming and being a part. And I saw uh, Caleb and I saw Dee Dee. Did I see them? There. Yeah, Dee Dee. Oh, you're standing up. Okay. Um, so, so glad to have Dee Dee and, and Caleb with us today. And it is a joy to have with me. And I, I've got to tell you this story. 15 years ago, you remember... Flipped a four-wheeler, broke my back. Uh, they said I'd never walk again. I was in intensive care four days. And when I woke up, my mom and dad, Pastor Rhonda, and Pastor Kent uh, were there. And they were talking real quiet. And I looked at them. I said, am I going to die? They said, no, you're not going to die. I said, can I have some water? Yeah, some water. They brought some water. And I looked at Pastor Kent, and I said, I dreamed last night that Kim, who has four beautiful boys, is pregnant. And he said, there is absolutely no way Kim was pregnant. I said, I, I know what I saw. I'm just telling you what I saw. And I promise you, he went back to the motel that night. Kim called. She said, honey, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I am three months pregnant. And this morning, this morning, the pursuit of joy, Miss Danette is here, and we're going to ask her if she will. Uh, she's going to sing a verse of a Star Spangled Banner for us this morning. <laughs> she's just going to take off and let it rip. Oh, we're going to do it next Sunday. Okay. Okay, but it, it is a joy to have family. We are glad that you are here. Uh, 
there's, there's no way I can say this humbly enough, so just let me say it if I may. Uh, until the first week of November, your pastors are going to be on Daystar every single day until November. And what an honor that we are part, they are promoting this conference in November. And uh, we're going to join evangelist, revivalist Perry Stone. We're going to join John and Lisa Bevere, Anna and, and uh, help, help me, Fred, Fred and Anna Kimball. And uh, this is going to be a, this is going to be an incredible conference, and we're we're excited that we are a small part of that. How many saw my new Facebook profile? Awesome. So, wave, wave your hand at me. Tom Moore did that in Pastor Rhonda's office. He is a bad boy. Is a bad, excellent job. Everybody is complimenting. And listen, guys, no, there's no touch-ups there. That's really me. That's in that. <laughs> that really is me in that picture. I went to bed last night with that picture. I said, I cannot believe you look so what. I, get, I just there, looked at it until I fell asleep. It's like a good-looking picture. But uh, we are excited what is happening. Uh, please be in prayer. Pastor Bryce is in trouble, and his mom is coming in this week to set him straight. Uh, it was scary. I dreamed two nights ago that Miss Sarah was pregnant. I dreamed that, yeah. yeah. It was probably a spiritual dream. You are probably pregnant with a ministry or some things going on. Um, telling you, Danette, have I, have I missed it when I dreamed they're pregnant? I've not missed it, but okay. We'll let it be, we'll let it be at that. If you have a Bible with you today, we'd like for you to go with me to Psalm, the 137th division. And we so much ponder this morning, Mike, what your mom is doing right now. Can you imagine? Eye is not seen, ears not heard. The things that God has prepared for those who love them. I'm excited about what God is doing in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my ministry. But there's a longing in my heart to be where God is. Amen. And Pastor Rhonda said it so well. He doesn't come to where we are except in salvation. But he takes us to where he is. And today in the spirit we sit at heavenly places. And as we open our spiritual ears, just one phrase... Just one scripture, just one thought could connect in our spirit man, and there could be a revelation. It might not be a re revelation to others, but it might be a revelation to you, and you begin to walk in that revelation. Remember years ago, I was taught by Pastor Billy, things that you hear from the doctor or counselor or your lawyer or your banker is a fact. It's not a truth. It's a fact. Mike, facts change. For 100 years, Mount Everest has been 29,035 feet. They pre-calibrated that a few years ago to determine that Mount Everest is 29,070 feet. Does that matter? It matters a great deal if you're attempting to climb it. Because over 200 people have died because of lack of oxygen. See, facts change. Truth does not. Let me say it again. Facts change. Truth does not. And God has promised in the last days that there are going to be signs and wonders and miracles and, and men are going to run to the things of God. Then we've got to expect that to happen. And even more so, we've got to expect to be a part of it. And if I had a title today, and I do, my title is simply Boundaries, Borders, and Barrios. Yeah, new word. How many of you do not know what the word barrio means? You do not know what that word means. 
Okay, how many of you, you do know, and I may ask you to tell me right there on the spot, how many of you do know what the word barrio means? One, and Matt knows because I shared with him before we were preparing. Boundaries, borders, and barrios. Psalm 137, the very first verse. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps in the midst of the willow trees thereof, for they who carried us away required of us a song, and they that wasted us, who plundered us, requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Look at Pastor Hank just for a moment. There's a passage of scripture that for the past 21 years I have wore out in this house. And it's found in the book of Isaiah, the 39th chapter. And it talks about a king who allowed some things to enter into his home that he should not have allowed. And these things that entered his home took inventory. And then Levi came back several years later and plundered. And this is the result of that plunder. The nation of God has been abandoned. It's been captive. They've lost their song. They've lost their hope. They've lost their dream. They've lost everything. But there is a good report to this message today. The very last verse of Psalm 137 says, Happy shall he be that dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Is that what it says? Happy shall he be. Now listen, we're not into beating up kids. You know, if they get out of order, we just, you know, take away their iPod. That works more than, 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 than hello. We're not, we're not into beating kids, but here's an interesting truth. We talk about the, ch- the challenges and tragedies that we're going through. We've lost our song in a strange land. We're being made fun of because we're Christians. And the last part of this says there is a breakthrough, and it comes Take the little ones and dash them against the rocks. Now, I, I will explain a little better as this, this word begins to unfold. Boundaries, borders, and barrios. This morning, and I could have picked any day this week, but this morning on CNN was the report of three, of three people that were just a go-lucky, happy spirit traveling the world, visiting the world, visiting, I believe, somewhere in, in Kuwait. And they wandered from where they thought they were going and wound up in Iran. They have been held captive with no lawyer, no representation, two of them in need of medical help. Girls, they have been there for 366 days simply because they wandered from where they were supposed to be and they found themselves at the wrong place at the wrong time, surrounded by the wrong people. I watched today, let me be careful how I betray this, but I watched today that on the borders of Arizona, the National Guard and, and some, some of the special forces are, are gathering together. They are expecting some things to happen. We're, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen on the borders of Arizona. But I will tell you what is taking place right now, Sergio, has to do with the last days. The Bible said in the last days that we will receive a mark in our right hand or forehead. And you can't do any business without this mark. The nations that will be so fanatical that if you don't have this mark, (coughs) you will be 
beheaded. Oh, you turn it down while it's coughing. That was cool. We'll work, we'll work together on that. Thanks. If the day comes, Brother Gary, that we have to prove that we're American citizens and they issue us all a card and I'll be the first one, many of us, Susan, will lose that card. How many is with me? you lose that card. It's going to get so frustrating, you can't do a bank transaction. You can't go into a Walmart. You, you, can't do, you can't do anything at all if you cannot prove you're an American citizen. And so they're going to create a device, a homing device, that's going to contain all of your information, much like Facebook does today. Be careful who you allow on your Facebook. Be careful who you give your Social Security number to. Be careful who you allow to have access to your personal stuff. But there's going to come a day when you're going to be required to have in your hand, not on, or in your forehead, a device that declares that you are a citizen of your country. So all this stuff going on in Arizona doesn't really have a whole lot to do with what's taking place in Mexico. We, have a, we are an open border country. We've invited hundreds of thousands of people to come to America and be a part. And none of us, don't worry, I'm not going to trip and fall over that shoestring. I'll just ignore it. None of us, with the exception of myself, really deserve to be here. Just want to make sure they're listening. That's what I, you heard what I said. I'm a Native American. And your people came and, 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 and trashed my people. And I've forgiven some of you for what your people have done to my people. But there's others. Well, I'll talk about it a little later. In the... there, there's a, there, there are boundaries in our life that if we don't stay within the boundaries... It could cause much tragedy. Be the mom, if you will, of a 21-year-old young man or young lady that were just, just out enjoying the things of life and found themselves in Iranian prison. You be the mom for a minute, and, you, and you, you match emotions with those moms that cannot talk to their kids, and we're not sure they're going to be returned because they're being accused of being spies. Well, in America, if you're accused of being a spy, you're usually sent back to the country you're from, and you're never allowed to come back. But also on the news today is a story that many of you have been watching about an Iranian woman that was arrested for adultery, and she has been condemned to death. The Iranian government, Seth, has said because she was caught in adultery, she's going to die. So you see, there are boundaries in your marriage that you need to walk within the confines of that marriage so that you don't see that relationship destroyed. It is very important as a parent to make sure you know who your kids' friends are and make sure you know who they're spending quality time with and make sure you know the character of the family that they're growing up with because your children make decisions when they're 17, 18, 19, for age or 20 years of age that greatly affects who your kids hung out with. And there are many kids late in life will hang... Let me back up on that. If your child is planning to go to college when they graduate, you need to make sure they hang around kids that are planning to go to college. Because if their friends decide they're not going to college, then there's the fear, fear factor, and they won't go to college. If you want your child to be a virgin on her wedding night or his wedding night, then they need to hang around kids that are walking in, in, in sexual purity. 
and that they, they honor that standard, that they, they made a vow to God. They understand the, the, the importance of being clean and pure. David said, who shall ascend into thy hill? I mean, how cool to be where God is, pigeon. I mean, how cool is that? And, and, and God says back, he was clean hands and a pure heart. There are two young ladies, had they not been virgins, they could not have qualified for greatness. Who are they? Esther and Mary, the mother of Jesus. So there's, there's borders there we walk in our family. There's borders there we walk in our relationship with God. There's borders that we walk in relationship with others. And it's important to stay within the confines of those borders and the boundaries, not to hurt or to harm you, but to watch over you and keep you safe. I saw a bumper sticker that says, hire a teenager while they still know it all. I'm going to edit that bumper sticker. Hire a nine-year-old while they still know it all. Okay, I'm telling you what, she's got the answer to every challenge. Yesterday, we were concerned a little bit. Some of the kids, we went to the lake. We had a blast, and Courtney said, Dad, Christine has issues. I said, okay, what? we usually know issues. That's deep, heavy. We better work on it. So I go over to talk to her, and I said, I said Christine, what's going on? She said, well, I'm having trouble breathing. I said, okay, breathe in through your nose and out with your mouth. Not sure that's how you do it, but anyway, it, it worked. She did, she did a breathing thing. She's sitting there. I said, would you like some water? She said, yes. I got a nice cold water, handed it to her. And then I, I said, would you like to pour that cold water on Hayden? It might make you feel better. She said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And, so she, and Hayden was there seeing everything. Hayden let her pour a bottle of ice cold water on him. And, you know, he, did the, he reacted the way she wanted to react. And then about five minutes later, Courtney walks up to the dock, and Christine says, Sis, I feel a lot better after I poured the water on Hayden. So explain to me the philosophy of a nine-year-old. But it's important that right now in Christine's life that I have her sequestered, and I have her encumbered, and I have her under, under the watch of godly parents of godly kids. God did not tell my nine-year-old to win the world. God told me to raise my nine-year-old up in the way that she should, should go, surround her with the right things, the proper care, the proper count. Hello. And if I do that, the word said she may wander from that path, but she will return. That path is a good path. That path is a, is a, is a fun path. There's, there's nothing more fun than hanging out with God. I promise you. And Paul, if I'm wrong, if there's no eternity, if there's no God, if there's no heaven, if there's no hell, what have, what have I lost? Um, 70 some odd years of good health, uh, not having to remember what I lied about, being faithful to one wife and one family, uh, being debt free and walking in the blessings of financial victory. Okay, if I'm wrong, <laughs> what if I'm right? What if there really is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? If that's what reality is all about, then I want to know what's going on in my life. Can I get a witness from anybody in this section over here? This section is kind of dead. How are you guys over here? You guys alive and well? And God is a God of life. Our youth group, alive. They are alive. And I'll show you today, later I'm going to illustrate just how alive they are. If you will, yeah. <laughs> they are listening. If you go with me very quickly, if you will, to Isaiah, the 38th chapter. Those of you that have been with me for 20 some odd years, some of you a little longer, you know that I don't, I don't read a lot from Scripture. 
But I think it's important to look at this passage as we look at at some of the boundaries and some of the borders and some of the barrios. Let me go ahead and tell you what a barrio is. As a child growing up, my grandfather had favor with the school system in Southern California. He was a custodian and, and re- actually retired from the school system. The kids at school loved my grandfather. My grandfather was a very, very unique, godly, incredible, fun man. Uh, you couldn't be around him, not just appre- appreciate the, the, just the, the fun in his life and the, and, the, and the things that he was committed in. My grandparents, at a very, very early age, purchased a home there in Garden Grove uh, next to Beach Boulevard and, and Golden West, about three miles from Knott's Berry Farm, about six miles from Disneyland, about seven miles from Crystal Cathedral, and about four miles from the ocean. Very beautiful little community. Through the corridors of time, the, the uh, neighborhood became infested with drugs and alcohol and, and gangs and uh, there was a time, it's now referred to as Crow Village, but there was a time when police officers would not come into their neighborhood after dark. That's how bad it was. There was a block party where the barrio, and this is where you get the word barrio, where the gangs and, and, and everybody in the community were drinking and partying, and the police received a call that someone had been uh, beat up and they sent their dogs they would the, the police department would not go in this neighborhood they sent their dogs and two or three of the how many dogs they sent got 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 murdered that's how rowdy this place was well my grandparents lived right in the middle of it and not one time in 30 some odd years did anybody in the neighborhood ever touch my grandparents there was a code there they were loved they were respected and right in the middle of a hell zone, right in the middle of a, of a war zone, they lived. We would go spend the night, spend the week. I lived quite a bit with my grandparents uh, before my divorce and after uh, my before my marriage and after my divorce, and, and and never was my life ever threatened. Never was I in trouble because I was in a safe house. All around me was tragedy, but I was safe. I remember as my grandfather turned somewhere around the age of seventy. And retired, he was out late one night there in Crow Village and, and uh, just, just enjoying the yard. And on the, we lived on the corner, and on the corner there was a scuffle. And a young man that had grown up with us, Mike, his name was Welcome. Uh, he was, uh, I probably met him when he was four or five. We grew up, my grandmother had made curtains for a, 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 a mobile home place. And so his mom worked with my grandmother, and we, we grew up with well, Welcome at the age of... 24-25, welcome, stabbed a young man to death on that corner, and my grandfather watched it. One, year, one week later, my grandfather had massive heart attack and almost died. We relocated them from Crow Village, Southern California, to Okima, Oklahoma, population uh, 17 or 18. And uh, <laughs> maybe a few more, but there wasn't a whole lot more where they lived their life till 87 years of age, and then they went to be with the Lord. We are in the world, but not of it. There are bad things in the world. There's a reason why your teenage daughter carries mace. There's a reason why you don't allow your nine-year-old child to go to any public bathroom, any restaurant, any gas station, any fast food place alone. You don't do it. We, we, have been, we have been instructed that this is the way of the world. 
we right now cannot change this. We right now, we cannot, we cannot stop the violence, stop the gang, stop the things that's taking place, but we can learn how to pray a hedge of protection around our children, walk the walk, talk the walk, and expect God divinely to keep his hand upon them. As we're watching, there, there's nothing sacred any longer. And I believe somewhere in Florida, there's a little boy, been, Oregon, I'm sorry, Oregon, been missing for two months. Today, his parents went on international television and said, we believe that he's alive. We want to hope that, is that for me? We want to hope that our kids are okay. But we're living in an environment right now where we need to stay on our toes and make sure we know what's going on in the spirit of things. As we look at the life of Hezekiah, a king of Israel, king of Judah, look if you will with me at 38. And I'm going to read uh, quickly. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for ye shall die and not live. How many would like for your pastor to call you when you're sick and say, you need to get your house in order, you ain't going to survive this one. How many would like that? Seth would and destiny. Okay, I'll make sure make that in my notes. Then Hezekiah, watch this, turned his face toward the wall. Do I say wall? Borders. And prayed to the Lord and said, remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I've walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. Watch this, three things. I've walked where you've wanted me to walk. I've done what you've wanted me to do. And I didn't do it with an attitude. I had a good heart. And as Hezekiah begins to remind God what he has done for God because God set him up as king and all these things begin to take, take place, he begins to cry. And he doesn't just cry, he weeps bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Watch this. I've heard your prayers. Cornelius was told that his prayers were memorial unto God. The Bible says that God collects the tears of everybody that, that prays over a aborted baby or a, dead, or a lost child. And those tears that begin to fall, God collects those tears and places them in bottles in heaven. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days, watch this, 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. Did you ever notice that God always gives us back more than we ask? He's a dead man. He just reserved a death notice. You will be dead tomorrow. And he turns and he just asks God to remember his faithfulness, remember his heart, remember his obedience. And God said, I will. Not only will I add years to your life, 15 years, but I am going to deal with this enemy that's coming against you. And Annalise, at this particular time, Assyria is like America, superpower. They're the baddest nation on earth. And they've decided, and it started 4,000 years ago, but they decided they wanted Jerusalem. There's something special about Jerusalem. Right in the middle of the word Jerusalem, you will find our involvement with them. Help me. USA. USA. 
When we birthed this nation, it was Israel that funded it. Israel gave our country millions of dollars of gold bullion, and on our dollar bill in the pyramid, you will see the name of God, Y-H-W-H, and you'll see the name in God we trust because there was a day when Israel and America was hand in hand. And God has declared that any nation that will not support Israel, bless Israel, they will surely perish. So we have been a blessed nation because we've honored Israel. We've stood by Israel. Ironically, Israel is half the size of the state of Georgia. Half. Little old teeny tiny providence that every single day is on the news. An army of just a few whipped an army of thousands. America sends our pilots to Israel to allow Israeli pilots woo, to train them because they've learned how to fly like an eagle. They are a blessed nation, and God will continue to bless them. And here's what God said. Not only will I restore 15 years of your life, but I'm going to deal with this monster. I'm going to deal with this area. I'm going to defeat them for your sake, and you're going to be blessed. Notice then what takes place. And this is a sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Look at somebody say signs, signs. And, wonders. and wonders. Okay, now I thought just the fact that God telling Isaiah that he wasn't going to die is sign enough. Would you agree? But here's what Isaiah says. Hezekiah, God does not always give everyone a sign. But on this day to establish this fact forevermore, God is going to give you a sign, and God is going to turn back the sundial 10 degrees. Now, Honoris, you can watch a DVD or a video or, or something, and you can pause it. And if you have DVR on your television uh, system, you can rewind, and you can go back. But not a single one of us can literally step into any kind of time machine or any kind of meditation and go and live an hour ago, that hour has come and gone. That hour will never present itself again. But here's what God did for, Isaiah, uh, for Hezekiah. He said, not only am I going to extend your life 15 years, but I'm going to back it up an hour to see what you do with it. When God does stuff for us, what do we do for him? Oh what have you done for him lately, the song said. John F. Kennedy, who did not claim to be a Christian said this, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? What have you done for God after he has blessed you, answered a prayer, extended something, opened a door, obviously worked a miracle, nobody else could have done it? What are you going to do with this extra hour that God blesses you with? Jesus told the disciples, couldn't you just give me one hour? Just, <laughs> I'm teaching better than your, no, that's okay. Could you not just give me one hour? He's not asking for a whole lot. In the Old Testament, the tithe was a seventh. That's a chunk of money. In the New Testament, God has blessed us a tenth. We add to it if we choose. God requires very little of you to fund the kingdom. He requires very little involvement of you. He just asks that you might pray once or twice a day. Just a thought. I know in England, they have tea breaks. Here in America, we used to have cigarette breaks. Uh, David had praise breaks. Yes. 
He said, seven times a day do I praise thee. He was, a, he, he was walking in the favor and blessing of God, even though he messed up. Mikey wasn't a great dad. Look at his kids. One killed another. One raped another. I mean, he wasn't all that great of a dad. But he knew how to touch the heart of God. And God is saying, I'll do some stuff for you if you just put your life on pause and give me about an hour. And notice what this king does. The next verse, if you'll look at it with me. I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun of the sundial of Ahaz, 10 degrees backward. So the sun, retu- so the sun returned, watch this, not the sundial, <laughs> the sun, the sun returned 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by which it had gone down, and this is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered, look at somebody say recovered, from his illness. If you'll stay in the boundaries that God wants you to stay in, and you'll stay in the borders that God wants you to stay in, and if you realize that you're in this world, you're not of this world, bad things are happening all around, but you'll stay focused on the fact that you're not a part of this nation, but you're looking for a better nation, let me tell you what God will do for you. He will answer your prayer. He will bring blessing. He will bring favor, and he will do a, a sign and a wonder for you because he's promised in the last days there are going to be signs and wonders and we're going to be blown away by what God does. How many saw Haley's comment? You actually witnessed it. Wave your hand at me. How many saw Haley's comment? In our generation, you saw, how many actually looked and saw the, saw the comet moving through the, through the hemisphere? Unbelievable. And you look at it and you go, there's no way this is happening. This is like sci-fi. This is like, this is like E.T. This is like Steven Spielberg, one of his, a sci- uh, hello, but, but you and I witnessed that. In the past hundred years, we have accelerated beyond all wisdom, all knowledge, and we've invented everything. We can now create life without conception. I can speak and my words can be recorded and, and printed out. I can pick up the phone right now and I can talk to tomorrow Israel, I can talk to yesterday, China. I, I, my phone, it scares me all the things my phone can do. And, and even when I think I think I erase everything, it's still on record permanently. We look at the television, we look at the phone, we look at communication, we look at air travel. I left Tokyo, Japan, 7.30 Friday night, flew all night long, and got to Honolulu, Hawaii, Friday morning at 7.30. How cool is that? We're a generation unlike any other. And the word says, when you see knowledge increased, when you see all these things begin to happen, know that it's here even at the door, the return of Christ. Have you noticed lately all the sci-fi, all the the visitations from other planets and all the, and and we're, 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 When you go see the movie Inception, you will learn that sometimes what appears to be real is not, and what, is him, what, what appears to be surreal is not. Am I, are you with me so far? There is a seed planted in our heart and spirit by the world. What will happen? The headlines are already prepared, documented, millions missing upon the face of the earth. How many knew that? You can research that and find New York Times, L.A. Times, Chicago Tribune. They already have the, the headlines set up. We're going to wake up to one day, and millions of people are going to be gone. And I hope you and I are in that number. Hello. 
What, how will the government explain what has happened to us? How? We've been kidnapped from another planet, and that planet's going to come back and get the rest of us? And so you better get a mark to make sure that to prove you're not an alien? It sounds absurd. So does getting in a plane on a Friday night, flying all night long, and getting in somewhere else Friday morning sound absurd. If I, if I would have told you 10 years ago some things that would happen in, in, in techno, technology, you'd have said there's absolutely no way. But it's here upon us right now. And so notice, if you will, what this man of God does. Are you ready? Healed, delivered. In the prime of my life, the closer I get to 60, I'm believing 60 is the age. I shall go to the gates of Sheol, or the grave. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, or the land of the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. And shepherds had to move periodically to go where the grass was because the sheep would eat the grass right down to the nub. I've cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. When the weaver weaves the, the rugs or, the, or, the, or they, he'll take a pair of scissors and he'll cut, or cut with a knife. He's, he's observed all this in his life. He cut me off from the loom. From day to night, you make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From the day until night, you make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. Oh, Lord, I'm impressed. Undertake for me. We're in a nation today that is bound by depression. We're in a nation today that you can't take an x-ray to determine what's wrong with your mind, but doctors will practice on you and get you hooked on Xanax and get you hooked on Thorazine and get you hooked on Vicodin. And if that doesn't work, they practice, they take you off that drug and put you on another. I promise you, I'm not going to trip and fall over my shoestring. Those who are praying for me, you're doing a good job. <laughs> what shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitter of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you, look at somebody and say, God, will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. Watch this. Storms will come in your life that are unpleasant. Storms will come in your life that are uncomfortable. Storms will come in your life that you really don't understand the purpose of that storm. But the word says all things work together for good. There was a reason why you spent five years in prison. There's a reason why you were divorced and you've remarried a godly woman. There's a reason why you had a sick child and that sick child. There's a reason for all of that. We'll never have the answer to some of our questions. But he has the answer. And Job said he's not in front of me. He's not behind me. He's not to my left. He's not to my right. How many have ever, ever gone out in a, in a morning and walked into a patch of fog? Anyone. You can't see five feet in front of you, five feet behind you, five feet to the right, five feet to the left. When things go bad in your life, it's like a fog. You cannot see. 
It's there. And, and, and you can't blow it away. You can't, you can't make it go away. You can't melt it. You can't set it on fire. You can't spray it down. It's there till it dissipates. And that's exactly where a lot of people are when they go through a storm in their life. But Job said, nevertheless, he knows the path that I take. And when he's done trying me, see, in order for there to be a testimony, there has to be a test. Come on. And God can take what you consider to be a mess. This is a mess. This is, and God can turn it into a message. Help me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. There's seasons in my life that I was blind. There's, there's seasons in my life that I was lost. But God knew right where I was. There's a GPA system right now, a satellite circling this earth, that if you were to open your wallet and lay it in the trunk of your car, this satellite can tell you the numbers of your driver's license. There are glasses that you can buy and put them on. I remember um, when Rita got laser eye thing, and uh, I hated it, and so did others because Rita would say, I can see all your molds. I can't remember it. There's technology, technology that is so developed that it, can, that it can pinpoint, listen, God can do all that left-handed. I mean, God knows exactly where you are, exactly what you're going through, and he's not, not going to let you fail or, or mess up. God right now is feeding about 18,300,225,000 sparrows. He'll get done, and then he'll come check on you. You're not all that in a bag of chips. You're not the only one upon the face of the earth that has the right to question God, shout at God, cuss God. He will get to you. We say, he will get to you. The only person that ever takes me in the office when they're supposed to is my dentist. My doctor, my, my dentist loves pain. He knows the sooner he gets me in there, the sooner he can hurt me. Just kidding. But most of us, when we make an appointment with someone that can make a difference, we have to wait. They that wait upon the Lord. See, it's not, about, it's not about us. It's about us knowing that God is in control and God's going to turn this mess into a message. He's going to turn your test into a testimony. Does anybody get a witness in this house today? So it's not just hunky-dory, peachy-creamy. There's going to be pimples. There's going to be boils. There's going to be stuff. But God has a solution for all of it. How cool is that? Okay, let's, let's continue on, and we will conclude in the next hour or so. You restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. He cannot see them. The grave cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those that go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. Watch this. The Father shall make, the Father shall make known your truth to the children. God said in the last days before this process takes place that he will turn the hearts of the children back, the hearts of the fathers back to the children, hearts of the children back to the fathers. The Lord was ready to save me. 
Therefore, we will sing my songs with string instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. See this great spiritual breakthrough, great spiritual revelation, great. And then you you know what Isaiah says? Take some figs, crush them, and apply them to the boils, and he will live. You know what it says? Yeah. <laughs> He's dead. He's dying. Lack of figs. <laughs> Something. But see, the fig is compared to the body of Christ. When Jesus saw the fig tree blooming and blossoming and beautiful, and he went over and it was supposed to have figs and it didn't, what did he do? Cursed it. And what happened? It died. See, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you have a reason for being here. And it's not to waste 10 years of your life in some kind of Eastern religion. It's not to waste 10 years of your life working three jobs. It's to find early the path. There is a straight path. There's a narrow path. And it's, and it's findable. It's approachable. But we are so much looking for everything else sometimes. Come on. We've been taught to pursue stuff. We are a prosperity gospel. Let me tell you something. It don't always happen within seven days of your seed. There's a bamboo in China. It grows to be 50 feet tall. The first three months, it's three foot tall. And then somewhere around three months in a year, it grows to be 50 feet tall. Things take time. I know we don't drink wine, but we can use it. It takes time for wine to season. Come on. takes time for fruitcakes. We don't have fruitcakes anymore. Oh, we do. But not the real deal, fruitcake. Mom and dad would always pour the degree. Where's my fruitcake people? They always taste. I, I never ate a fruitcake I like ever. There was no. There was no. But there are people that would make fruitcakes, and they would let them season and, and let them sour, and then you would eat them, and you're supposed to say, hey, this is really good. If it's all that good, Andres, why do they always just cut you a little tiny slice? <laughs> kimchi. I won't even go there. Who knows what I'm talking about? Kimchi. Oh, oh, woo! Okay. It's easier never to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Next Sunday, as God allows, we're going to show you everything, everything God said he would do, he did for Hezekiah. We were kids growing up, we used to sing that chorus, my God can do anything Anything, anything, my God can do anything. He healed the sick, he raised the dead. My God has done just what he said. My God can do anything. Not only will he do anything, but he will do it for you. If you're willing, if you're willing to pay the price. If you dance to the music, there's a price to pay. What is it? Loving your life not unto death and living your life for the glory of God as an instrument he wants to pour into, saturate, overflow, and allow you to be an oasis right in the middle of the desert, a breath of fresh air right where everything's stale and corrupt. God wants to use you. I share with you when I went to Israel with Marcus and Joni and John and Cindy and, and um, others on that trip, we were, we were going, going somewhere. It seemed like we were driving from, from Cairo, Egypt to... Um, uh, Jerusalem, and beautiful, beautiful, nice, green, gorgeous, and every, one, every once in a while, 
there'd be just kind of out by itself, there'd be this beautiful red flower. And it was, it was gorgeous. And, and we, we, got, we started looking for it. We started, we started looking for that, that, that flower. And it was on the left side of the bus, Levi. Everybody would get on the left side of the bus, because the suspension would go like this. And we'd go on the right side of the bus, everybody looking at it. And so finally, the, the tour guide said, what are you guys doing? And so we told him about this flower. And very nonchalantly, very matter-of-factly, he said, oh, that's the lily of the valley. See, you've got to have such a desire to be attached to the lily of the valley, you've got to go looking for him. He's there. He's not hiding. But there's a whole lot of camouflage. And there's a whole lot of distraction that will keep you from finding the lily of the valley. And everything God said he would do for this family, he did only later for this dad to completely abandon those things that were true and were holy to compromise. Hold on, guys. I got to wait till you see my new phone. <laughs> Wish I had it right now. My phone talks to me. It says, Droid X. It's the biggest phone anybody has right now. I don't know that it's all that great of a phone, but it is a big phone. And I'm going to have to order special pockets to get it in. If you have not now, it probably be a good time to turn your cell phone off. Just a thought. Just a possibility. And when I get Levi home, I'm going <laughs> to... Okay. Next, do not miss next week. Okay? I'll try to be here. Do not miss next week. Three questions I've got to ask you. Question number one. What do you dream about? They lost their dream. They lost their dream. And then all of a sudden, they remember Zion. Memories of pleasure can cause moments of pain. I wrote that. Where's Matt? He would document it. I wrote it this morning. When they started thinking about how good God had been to them and where they were now because of disobedience and lack of worship, strange gods, it hurt. See, I took for granted life. I took for granted pretty girls. And I took for granted special people. I just assumed I was going to marry a pretty girl. I just assumed that we would have kids. I just, I didn't prepare. I didn't, I didn't focus. I, 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 I said two shall become one, but the two did not become one. I continued to do my own thing and fell at elevator shaft of drugs and alcohol. And when Pastor Ronna left, she left. There was no counseling. There was no, there was no restoration. She was done. You don't realize what you've got until it's gone. Didn't get to spend a lot of time with Mike's mom, but spent a lot of time with Dean's dad. There are people in our life that are precious and they're special. A lot of times we get so busy that we forget to, to remind them. Brother Gary, you can relate. Someone special, someone that you love. And then all of a sudden they're gone. And that's when you do this. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. If you've ever been with me at graveside, I always declare, 
if you love somebody, tell them now while they can enjoy it. If you love somebody, send them flowers now, bake them brownies now. Let them know now they're celebrated in your life. Because the day will come when they are lost. 20 some odd years your dad pastored. Where's that? 20 some odd years your dad pastored the very same church, been there, preached hundreds of times. That church has been sold. They've relocated. It's a weird feeling to go to Danette's house and not go to the church. See, we've been here 21, 22 years. We, we take for granted that we're going to turn in the parking lot. The, the lawn's going to be mowed. Uh, there'll be a few weeds out. In the, there's always a few weeds, a beer can or two, but it's going to be here. There could come a day when we turn into the driveway and it's a red lobster. You, ne- you never know what God's up to. No, I'm not going to buy a red lobster and become a restaurant owner. That wasn't what I was insinuating. But the freshness now, the miracles now, the healings now. We have a man right here in this house that should have spent his life in prison because he burned a restaurant down because of his satanic vows. He's here. Stop Mike Davis. Don't, don't look at Mike. We have a woman. Anybody correct me anytime that I'm wrong. We have a woman here that was declared dead over 20 times. Dead. She's dead. Leave it alone. Stop praying. Leave us alone. She's dead. She's right here on the front row. She is not dead. She's alive. Never take that for granted. One of my favorite movies, and I'm not encouraging anyone to see this movie. It's an adult movie. If you think you're an adult, go see it. Not adult the way the world says, but adult Because what happened that day at Normandy Beach, when thousands of our ancestors laid down their life, lost a leg, lost an arm, lost an eye, or lost everything. The Saving of Private Benjamin is probably one of my favorite movies. Because at the end of the movie, several die so that he could live. Tom Hanks, who was the head over the the platoon, is, is lying, dying from, from gunshot wounds. And he beckons Private Riot to him, and he gets as close as he can. The last words that come out of Tom Hanks' mouth before he dies, earn this. Earn this. The last words that left the mouth of Jesus, it is finished. It's a done deal a way has been made a a path has been blazed there is a place for us to go at the end of the movie private ryan comes with his wife four or five sons and daughters eight or ten grandkids and he walks up to the tomb of some tom hanks and he looks at the wife and says have i been a good man have I been a good man? Or did I take the things of God and just consider them freebies and not use them to full potential? Did I spend most of my life seeing the glass half full, never thanking God? Pakistan today, thousands are dead because of a flood, but I watched them in their makeshift tents, cardboard lean-tos. And I watched them barefooted walking into, into mud up to their ankles, and I wondered what would happen if that took place in America 
how God has blessed our country and God has blessed us. There's a place that we have for God that we can bless him. So let me ask, what do you dream about? What is that? What is that hope? What is that goal? Not just graduating from college or marrying a good guy or having a jet ski or plenty of money. Or, but, but what is it you dream about? What is in your heart and spirit that you know that you can change to make a difference for the life of somebody else? They wept when they dreamed. What do you cry about? What makes you cry? Your misfortune? Your loss? Something's taken from you? Or have you learned to find out what makes God cry and love those things as he loves them and shed those tears? Why? Because they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. There are some things in your life that can only be seasoned with tears. Tears of what? appreciation for what I had or for what I lost. And as you begin to cry over those memories that you had, of what you, whether you lost it or you have it, all of a sudden things begin to sprout up. And God said, the best is yet to come. Not the worst is yet to come. Not that you're going to get worse and worse and worse. Now I think some of us on a scale of, we're, we're over here. We're, it really can't get any worse. Can anybody relate? And God said, it's just going to get better and better and better. Why? Because he, ga- <laughs> he gave us signs and wonders that he would prove his promise. Melinda is a miracle. Calvin is a miracle. When Calvin came to God 20 some odd years ago, and he told this testimony. He was on 60 different medications. He's like, how many? Okay, 90. Okay, 30 different medications. That's what that, back off there. He's a walking dead. He should be dead, but he's not. Because God made a way where this seemeth no way. Melinda laying there as bad as it is, and then we tell you, you'll never walk again. You'll never have a job. You'll never this. You'll never that. She's on the front row of the church. While all around us are empty seats of people that have been blessed just as much, but they don't understand the concept earn this. Levi, the day this church was birthed in that month, Anton LeBay was still alive. He is the author of the Satanic Bible. He's the pastor of the church in California that's an old hotel converted into a, a church. The, the, the month this church was birthed, Satanists came out with a, a slogan, a motto that said this, each one, reach one. Each one, reach one. In 1990, we accepted that challenge. And we said, we are going to win someone to the Lord. We're going to lead someone to the Lord. That's how Dean and Angela came to the kingdom. Someone decided they were going to win them to the Lord. You are, some of you are recipient of someone that said, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to lead somebody. They're going to come to know God. And when I stand before God, I'm going to bring my fruit with me. What fruit are you bringing? Last thing. What do you sing about? What do you sing about? Have you lost your song? You can always tell when my dad is happy, he whistles. But it's not a real whistle. 
It's a kind of whistle. Not real dead, almost dead. There is a difference, almost dead, not real dead. Do you get it? And I am learning as much as I hate this. And God always uses Pastor Tim to remind me, you're just like your dad. That's a great compliment. Be just like my dad. My dad was 79. We went to this big conference, and this 78-year-old uh, woman tried to hit on him. So he's a good-looking good dude. But my dad, he'll... And, and it's, like, it's like I'm doing it now. Thanks, Pastor Tim. I, I appreciate that so much. We were going somewhere with that, but wherever it was, it's gone. It's out there. It's lost. What do you sing about? I've been around music all my life. Probably the worst person I've ever heard sing in my entire life. And it's a new one. It was one of y'all, but now it's a new one. It's Paul. I'm not kidding. Paul is scary. I mean, when he sings, it's like, my God, I'll give him $10 if you would stop. <laughs> Paul, come join me. I need two guys to quickly remove this, po this podium, quickly. We're going to conclude. Where are my faith people? Where's the one that can, if something dies, they can speak it back to life? Okay, stay close. Those of you listening by CD, I regret that you're not here today. This might be the last illustrated sermon I ever do. I will walk within the boundaries of the co-pastor of this church. I will not do what everyone is assuming. What a perfect example. A new Christian. Brand new. Been doing the things of the world for 33 years. Been doing the things of God for one year. Is already tithing. Is already giving above his tithe. Is working for the church all the time. He is a servant, servant. God has blessed him with quality friends. A great best friend, Charity. Following the guidelines of the pastors. And the guidelines are tough. Really is. I... I was, I was destined to create champions. Can't lie to you and tell you're all that great. No, we've got to look at the things that, that make you better and work on those. That's what a coach does. Paul's a new Christian. He's learning some stuff. He's learning the power of praise, power of worship, the power of giving. He's, he's disattached himself from his father, the devil, and he's attached himself to his adopted father. He's adopted into the family of God. And he calls him Abba Daddy. But there will always be something or someone. Come help me, Brad. That is, that is, that is going to try to hinder a new Christian. Let me say that again. Everybody look right here for a minute. New Christian. The enemy. Now, Paul, now, Brad is not really the enemy. He wants to be the enemy, but he's not, okay? Because usually what we battle has nothing to do with the devil. It's our nature. Think about that now. 
Most of the challenges I have, I don't want to drag somebody out of the truck and beat them because they made me spill my coffee. That's not of the devil. I did that when I was seven. <laughs> Come on. When I look at the things that I hate about me, my mom does them all the time. Come on. What you don't like about yourself is always manifested, uh, Dorcas, in, in your parents. I hate that. You know why you hate it? Because you do it. And you do it better than they do it. The enemy, if he can, will try to choke out the word of God in your life. There you have it. If you're not careful, the enemy will always, when you least expect it, try to do a cheap shot. And if the enemy can't choke you and do a cheap shot, the enemy will try to hit you at your ankles and make you go down. <laughs> but the enemy is a liar. The enemy is a loser. And listen, no matter how young you are in the Lord, the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I'm telling you, you got the ability to... Run the enemy out of your life. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and praise this house. Don't you love him? Thank you, Paul. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for fun things in the house. Not stay cute and cuddly. They grew up to become a monster that raped their family and murdered their family and, and wounded their family. So they had a revelation. If we can stop it before it grows, we will survive. There are little things in our life, in every one of us in our life, idiosyncrasies and challenges that it seems so harmless and so petty, but it grows into being a monster. I shared last Sunday in Sunday morning's message at, in uh, Chiney Hill, Georgia, and it was a revelation. Usually the number one step to drug addiction is tobacco. And usually the last step of drug addiction, I've watched people give up meth, gasoline, heroin, morphine, cocaine, oxycontin, methadone, Vicodin, all that. And then struggle for, for months with a little tiny cigarette. Little things the enemy wants to get in your life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, including sound personnel. You're here today, and there's something in your life that's out of order. There's something in your life. It was just a little thing to begin with. Maybe it was a hurt. Now it's grown and festered into resentment and offense. Maybe it was just a little, 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 little shopping, little credit card here and now. And now the debt has got you, the debt has got you incapacitated. Something little, something insignificant, something... As simple as not reading your Bible once in a while. As simple as not praying once in a while. As simple as habitually being late every Sunday morning to miss that first 10 or 15 minutes of praise which gives us the authority to worship. We want to come for the worship but we miss the praise. Maybe financially things have been so tight that although you're not suffering, you're panicking with the crowd. God said, you're not the crowd. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God, bought by the blood of Jesus, adopted into royalty, kings and priests. Something little.
something insignificant. Boyfriend that hurts you, girlfriend that broke your heart, someone at school that ran their mouth, a hurt, a pain, a wound. Today, my heavenly father would like to come to where you are. He specializes in little things. He makes sure that that cocoon is protected and that metamorphosis takes place and that butterfly emerges. He, he cares about your walk. He cares about your baby steps. He is personally responsible for the feeding of every sparrow. I cannot even tell you, not just the sparrow, but when the doe lays and gives birth to fawns, he's there. When a little boy takes a slingshot, knocks a dove off the power line, God sees that. Today when I blow dried my hair, every hair that fell from my head, your head, your mama's head, your baby's head, your governor's head, he grasps everything. He focuses on little things. And if you don't lay this little thing on the altar, it will take you farther than you want to go. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Just some little, well, I'm depressed. I've got out of the habit of coming to church, coming to God, tithing, worshiping, serving. I've got out of the habit. Listen, there's some things you need to get back in the habit. Well, I've, I've stopped hanging around godly kids. I'm kind of going with the in crowd that's partying and all that stuff. It's time for you to back off that in crowd. Because they'll play when it comes time to be serious that you've got to have good grades to get a good scholarship, to go to a good school, to serve and, 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 and fund a good God. You become scared, intimidated, and you'll not go on pursue your dream. Every word from your mouth, the Bible says, every word. I was told yesterday that every text I have ever sent can be recalled back. Thank God my texting is pure. Thank God that our, there are things that the enemy, if he could, he tried to set you up. But every word out of your mouth, one day will stand before God and give account. God doesn't use the word, I can't. It won't happen. Maybe. Perhaps. The promises of God. That's what's important that you need to know. What are the promises of God? I've been promised before. My dad told my mom he would never leave her. He abandoned us. I've been promised before. I was married and that person said they would never leave me or forsake me. And that promise is broken. Cannot trust man's provision or man's promises but you can trust the God that's on the inside of you to honor every promise he has made well I don't have any promises that's because you're not studying his word because he tells you what they are every head bowed every eye closed those of you listening by CD I'm expecting God to come right to where you are our friends throughout the nation that will get this DVD, as you're watching, we're believing that this anointing, whether you watch this a week or a month from now, this same anointing in this house, some things are going to be broken. Pastor, I'm doing some little things that are nobody's business, but mine and God. Today, I'm going to develop a plan to stop walking 
in darkness start walking freely in victory. That you put your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. God, there's nothing more that I can say or do that will help or hinder. Cast all my care upon you. I cast every hand that was lifted. You know exactly what their destiny, the greatness that you have for them. That's why they're fighting. If the enemy at a, at a young age can distract them or deter them, get them out of that boundary. Get them out of that border. Then the enemy is won. We accept nothing from the enemy today but defeat. Defeated foe. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Father, let me learn to dream again. Not my dreams, but your dreams. As Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. He tapped into your heart. And he saw victory and freedom. And today, several years later after his death, we're walking in that dream. Let us dream as Joseph dreamed. And God, you gave him interpretation. You use him in ministry. Let, let, let us dream about our ministry. Dream about your greatness. God, what breaks your heart? Let it break our heart. Let us not become desensitized to the things of life, but, but let us cast our care upon you Then learn how to care for somebody else. And God, return our song. You said we shall have a song in the night. Thank you for that, that Jeremiah 3 and 33 that we call unto you. You'll answer us and show us great mighty things. Thank you for Jeremiah 28, 9, and 11. You know the plans you have for us. They're good plans. Let us find those promises that you've given us. And let's begin to declare them to you because you have the ability to bring them to pass. And that person that's in the fog, let them not panic. Let, let, let them become erratic in their worship, erratic in their, in their life. Let them stay planted like a tree by the water. The fog will dissipate. The fog will leave. And we will clearly see that there is a river. The streams are up. Make glad the city of God. That in that river there's a fountain filled with blood and sinners plunge beneath it, children plunge beneath it. We lose all our guilty stains. Every hand, every heart, we honor them today in Jesus' name. Can we give a